Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Smashbox TV's podcast 462. Terry Miller, the disc golf guy, coming in remotely from the other side of the country. I'm out in Flagstaff. Johnny V's back in Milwaukee. You're looking What's pretty going good on, for remote. I'm not going to lie, Terry. Yeah, this uh, I, I am currently at what's called the Little America Hotel. Uh, I've been a hotel there. you and I, yeah, you and I stayed here uh, almost not quite 20 years ago for a to disc the day, golf but... tournament, not just some random <laughs> motel we scratched at. <laughs> no, no, uh, or, or any kind of getaway or vacation. No, we were here 20 <laughs> years ago uh, for the PDGA Pro World Championships, uh, which at that time was all pros, all pros of all kinds. Uh, it didn't matter your age, but it was all the professional divisions. And here we are. We're back. Pro and Am Worlds taking place this week. The first day of competition is in the books. And uh, yeah, looking forward to having a good show tonight. We got a, enough to talk about tonight. That's uh, <laughs> that's for sure. There's been no shy. I feel like it's been forever. Like I, I almost, I was going through some withdrawals. Um, two weeks ago, I couldn't join because I had an internet issue at the house where I mm-hmm. um, found mm-hmm. out that, long story, maybe we'll save it for the after show about what happened with the internet. And then last week I was on vacation and it was 4th of July on Tuesday. So we kind of were going to reschedule, but it just didn't end up working out for me for sure. And then I was going to kind of leave it up to you, but obviously with your busy schedule, it didn't really work out for you either. So last week was like the first week in years that there was no Smashbox show. Yeah, I don't know about that. We haven't skipped any come Christmas or any anything like that at any point. It doesn't matter. Either way, nonetheless, we're here tonight, and uh, yeah, (laughs) welcome in. Uh, I'm just getting caught up on the message board, actually, myself, seeing that you guys are all here. Uh, A couple quick things that we know we'll be talking about tonight that come to mind. Uh, First of all, obviously, we're going to talk about the Pro and Am Worlds. Uh, We'll be able to discuss a little bit about what went down so far today. 
Uh, we'll also be able to talk about the silver event that just took place, the KC Wide Open, the 41st annual, I believe, KC Wide Open. Uh, and then we also saw a little bit of overseas action. Uh, the Shaletvia uh, Open took place. Uh, we can uh, touch on that. And then a little later, he's at dinner right now. Uh, this is like a big family reunion, as always, at Worlds. Uh, we're going to be joined by a very special guest, someone that I've been thinking about having on the show for the last few months. And now tonight, it works out perfect. We're going to have Mike Hughes. And the, the real quick intro to Mike Hughes is that he is heading up the Flying Disc Museum. Uh, he is one of the main uh uh, curators and uh, orchestrators and organizers of the Flying Disc Museum, uh, which is an online museum that's got literally tens of thousands of artifacts of disc golf and Frisbee-related items out there. It's not just disc golf. It's Frisbee-related. Uh, they're putting on a really great show and uh, program We'll say here Thursday night in person, which I'm going to record. But tonight he's going to be able to kind of jump in and give us a little bit of uh, what we could expect to see from the show and what the Flying Disc Museum is all about. He'll he'll give us the abridged version. Uh, and then Thursday night I'm going to record it and eventually I'll put it out on my channel at some point. So really cool that we're going to have Mike. He's out at dinner with a couple of other uh, fellow collectors and disc golfers. And so he's going to jump in with us probably in about 90 minutes or so so we'll have him tonight as well so yeah that's Fantastic. what we got yeah how's that sound I, I mean i think it's fine someone asked if we're gonna uh review the preserve as well because we missed last week oh sure we could talk about that yeah what the heck why don't you pull it up johnny okay. i'll try and pull it up on my screen as well I got it right and now. let's uh let's talk a little preserve i'm a, i'm i'm game because uh I did see Kale LaVisca out yeah. here, so uh, yeah, yeah, let's talk. I think he's like tied for the lead or something, or eh. close to it. Yeah. Um, <laughs> all right, so the preserve actually is continued a streak, so to speak. I don't say a streak, a trend um, that we've been seeing from the Pro Tour this year, where home state competitor wins. Katrina mm. Allen considers Minnesota her home state. She took down the FPO field. We saw Gannon Burr in Iowa. Cat Merch in uh, Arkansas. Arkansas, yep. Uh, yep. There, there was one more before that as well. Drawing a blank, but I know there was one more before that. I'm trying to go back in my head. but And we honestly just saw it again for Kansas City with Allie Smith, which is really yeah. cool. So there's this, there's, I think we're at four or five now, home state winners. It's a trend this year. So if you're going to bet on somebody, make it the home state uh, home state competitor. But Katrina Allen wins this one by three strokes over Kristen Tatar. It got really close towards that final round with like nine holes to go. But then Kristen Tatar had a, a hit a bump in the road, so to speak, and took a few bogeys on that back nine. And Katrina Allen just kind of she took one birdie, but just really very steady, ends up winning by three. And it was really a two-woman race because the next closest was Holland Hanley, um, who was looking like she had a chance kind of mid-second round, but ended up tailing off. Never could quite catch up that third round. Fourth place was Missy Gannon by two strokes, tied with Kat Merch and Ella Hansen. Seventh, Haley King and Paige Pierce. Ninth, Valerie Mondahano. So we're seeing Valerie Mondahano start to kind of get her disc golf legs under her, so to speak, and, and get into the competitive spirit. And in 10th place, someone who I'm sure we'll be talking about later tonight, Jen Allen. She is, uh, she's competing at the Masters Worlds right now, but she took 10th in FPO at the Preserve. Did, did you have any insight into 
F- anything particular about the preserve and FPO. Yeah, I, I, it, as you kind of alluded to, yeah, over. it feels so long ago. You're right. <laughs> um, no, real quick, what I would just say to that, of course, congratulations to Katrina. Um, maybe some of those home state vibes, you know, she was really – uh, you know, emotional and, and talked about some of the other things that were going on. Uh, the, you know, the uh, conversation that took place at the press conference uh, regarding uh, essentially Natalie Ryan, transgender athletes, that was very much part of the news cycle for that week. Uh, I feel like, especially now, even a couple of weeks later, it's, it's obviously been talked to death uh, at this point uh, in terms of everything that went down. Um, so Katrina Allen, you know, just uh, getting into her form and performing at a high level. And like, like you kind of just talked about, Kristen made it very interesting. I mean, getting all the way to where she did in, in nodding it up with Kat. And then just like, it was just like this almost instant snap of back to, you know, she regressed and I, what an exciting battle that it was. I remember being in the booth and, <laughs> and everything that was going on thinking, oh, my gosh, look what's just happened. And then just like that, in the next few holes, it just was all washed away. And then any momentum that was there was just completely gone and, and quite surprising, quite honestly. I mean, there were some statistics that I'm now a little fuzzy on, but I think it's that Katrina Allen has maybe never lost going into a final round um, up four or more strokes, three or more four, strokes, something like that. And, and uh, or Kristen similarly, Tatar, yeah, Kristen Tatar has never overcome won. a three stroke she's, deficit. Seriously. She has, she's like, Oh, 17 or something along those lines uh, with a three stroke deficit. And there is, there was some talk about if that's kind of, I don't know if that's like the magic number, three to four strokes in the FBO field. And I, I don't think necessarily it has much to do. A lot of it depends on the course because on this course, we saw that anything could have happened on those back nine. There was plenty of room for birdies or bogeys, and there, it's a very scorable course, as we can see by the uh, by the by the scores with Katrina at twenty after three strokes. So she averaged, you know, what, what uh, seven seven around seven under. So and yeah. in this particular round, she only shot four. Missy Gannon had the hot round at seven. So there there was room. I don't think it was necessarily the three strokes. There was definitely room to be had. It just didn't happen. And yeah, I again, the the fact that she hasn't overcome a three-stroke deficit to go on to win is shocking. I uh, just because we know how good she is, but she did. She did catch that three strokes and uh, made it the battle that it was and and so uh, obviously she she <laughs> remained her statistics stayed intact so to speak but it it is a little bit mind blowing to see uh that of her and and maybe it wouldn't be as mind blowing if you're like okay well that's where she has been that's where she's fallen short or she hasn't been able to overcome one and then she was down two or three or four throughout the entire uh, round and you're like okay well yeah it was it was enough strokes and it was no big deal but she erased those and uh and then it, like we said it went back the other way so anyway congrats yet again uh we we've put we say this all the time we've put such a high expectation i feel like on Kristen for winning uh because she we, we've just become accustomed to it uh, what is she now seven seven wins and 12 starts this year <laughs> i think when you add in that event um so it's, you know, she's clearly having still an incredible year, but Kat picks up her second win of the season. And uh, just like that, Kat has that many more points uh, within. She's so much closer to Kristen um, in, in terms of the Disc Golf Pro Tour standing. So 
Yeah, that's about all that I have on that. If you move over to the MPO side, uh, if you want to quickly recap sure. what we saw over there, Bradley Williams not in the country to he, not, he was not able defend to defend his title. Yeah, I think we talked about that a few weeks ago that he was just he was overseas, and you know if, if you follow Bradley on social media, you'll know why he was overseas. <laughs> He's got himself yep. uh, his significant other is over there. Uh, Luke is playing, and he played a bunch of European events. He played a few similar to what Paul did as well. He, mm. he he racked up a few, one of which was a win over Paul over there. So good for him. But talking about the preserve, Ricky Wysocki wins this one pretty handily. Uh, Five-stroke win over Cole. There was just, it felt like there was no stopping Ricky. And Cole made a, Cole made a heck of a run, as I've said, for all season. The streakiest player we have on tour. Because Cole will just get into a zone and he's unstoppable. If he could, if he could dig down and hit that particular gear more than just one round and an event, <laughs> the guy would be so deadly. But Cole ended up shooting five strokes worse than Ricky. Ricky was able to more or less walk it in um, on the last, you know, nine holes. We knew he was going to get at least three to four birdies, and that's all he needed. Um, so Ricky over Cole, and then tied with Cole was also Calvin Heimberg. And Kelvin just started out the round slow. Never really, again, nobody was catching Ricky. So it was kind of a one-man race after two uh, two rounds. Eagle McMahon with a 14-under, almost catching Cole's hot round uh, for fourth place. Tied for fifth place, you've got Double G and James Proctor. Seventh place was a three-way tie between Prez, Alden Harris, James Conrad, and then uh, tie for 10th place between AB and GB, Gannon Burr. I don't think yeah, I can do G. Sure. I don't think I don't yeah, think G- I can do G. No, I was questioning the fact that I called him GB. I don't like it. Not a fan. <laughs> AB works out. I mean, AB it's on his hat. The tongue. It is, but AB it's rolls on his up hat. The tongue. GB does not. I'm I'm sorry I ever said it. I will stop. <laughs> but Gannon Bird tied mean, for tied for tenth place. Okay. Well, it was a shootout as you would expect. A million birdies out there. Um, you know, people continue to love to be at the property. People love the atmosphere, the aura, the environment, all of that stuff. Uh, the extracurriculars, the camping out right at, you know, right at the facility, uh, right there on the preserve, the, the tubing, the hiking, the, uh, rock hunting, you know, all those types of things. So it sounds like, uh, overall, of course, a huge success. And then interestingly enough, as we'll talk about more, Kale essentially, you know, switching up his gears, obviously taking off, you know, the, the tournament director role and hat to then turn around and, uh, you know, come out and compete for his first pro masters world's title, which we'll talk about more in a minute, but um, yeah. So congrats on that side. And then of course we rolled right into a lot of players started, you know, either taking a weekend off, some started rolling out of the country, some, you know, took a drive and then took the weekend off. I mean, there were, there were just, Pros scattered everywhere, literally around the world. Mm-hmm. But this weekend, KC wide open, Johnny. Recap uh, it. Yeah, I will recap it real quick. But uh, just in general, I think there was a lot of discussion about KC wide open and people playing in general. The fact that you saw so many people sign up for the event that ended up just bailing out of the event. I want to say they had like 20 some players withdraw mm-hmm. in, in, the, in like the final week. I, Which, I think there's first there's, of all, isn't that uncommon for a silver event? And second not. of all, I, 
I, I would have never placed a bet on a ton of those people only can largely considering the international travels. Like that's a, that's a tough weekend to expect a, all of the top players to actually be there. And, and yeah, I, that's what I'll say. I agree. About that. And I think I saw a little, a few people online that were disappointed in the fact that it wasn't getting the turnout, you know, Hey, we, we have this event. We want people to show up. We bought tickets ahead of time and now half the players aren't mm-hmm. coming. It's a discussion that's going to be had for a while, especially when we have the European swing, you're going to have silver events that these people sign up for months ahead of time. And then they can decide someone like a Calvin, who is kind of the, one of the, the, the big names who withdrew relatively last minute. If you didn't, if, if you weren't in the know, it appeared to be last minute for Calvin. Um, yeah. And, and that he went overseas and whatnot. So just we'll talk about it at some point in the future again, because it's going to happen again, but let's talk about the people that did show up to the Casey wide open. And this time we'll start with MPO. We'll go with uh, winning. This one was Gannon Burr. So coming back uh, after not shooting very well at the uh, reserve for his standards, I think it was 10th, as we said, going to Casey mm-hmm. wide open. It, it was a battle. Honestly, that was a very good battle between him uh, and Joey Buckets, Jake Hebenheimer. Uh, Gannon ended up just being able to keep his foot on the gas all the way down to the last few holes and to win by two strokes over uh, jo- Joseph Anderson. But as everyone knows him as Joey Buckets. Yeah. And uh, so a couple of quick things on that. First of all, uh, I, I, I don't know if I was validated in the sense that I was guessing that was one of the youngest lead cards that we've seen in an elite series uh it, just in the terms of who was all on it, it and it's it I, it may may or may not have been i felt like it was and i love the fact that i've gotten to know the likes of 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 joseph anderson of joey buckets and some of the you know sullivan tipton and joey buckets were in the final round on the lead card along with paul mcbeth that throw on the mountain and they all put on a, a display in their own ways. And I think that was absolutely awesome. So of course I, you know, a little not so shameless plug to uh, talk about seeing some of that's where some of these eight tier, some of these other events that aren't just silver series, aren't uh, I don't want to say aren't just, but aren't silver series or are not on the pro tour uh, in an elite series. Some of these other events, I just absolutely love covering them for this exact reason. I see the Sullivan Tiptons and the Joey Buckets and the uh, Dylan Seppelas and and just all these other guys that have really come up that are going to be household names in the next couple of years. They're absolutely our next generation of top tier golfers. And uh, so it was, it was really cool to see. And then uh, Johnny or nor I, I think I, I speak for both of us when we say we didn't consume much of the event. Uh, if any, neither of us driving. were working it. And yeah, you were driving, I was traveling and, and neither of us were working in the event. However, one of the big storylines that came out of it was that on the very first day, Gannon Burr took an unorthodox or a unique Gannon 12. line on hole number 12 and was able to get up and down for birdie, uh, if I recall, right? That wasn't an eagle. That was a birdie. Yeah, it was a birdie because and, he ended up going out of bounds barely, it looked like. Um, he threw – now, it's a tunnel shot, what you should be shooting, a tunnel shot. He stepped kind of back off the tee pad. It was more the middle of the tee pad and shot up a giant Anheuser around the yep. fairway. 
ended up just barely out of bounds, was still able to get up and down, because I believe it was a par five, was still, yes. still able to get up and down from there to, to, to put in, I think it was a 30 or 40 footer for birdie, which caused some, a little bit of, I don't say ruckus, but it definitely raised some eyebrows with the tournament staff, with the PDGA. Mm-hmm. And maybe a few other competitors who then went out and looked at that shot and said, yeah. And it was quickly, the kibosh was put on that very quickly because they can, they deemed it dangerous in that it was such a blind shot that I believe it was people on 13 or was it 11? It was another hole. I think it was 13. I think it was the next hole. Um, could be considered in danger because it sure. was so blind. Even though Gannon and everyone said, no, he didn't come anywhere near us for this there was a potential for it. So the tournament staff reached out to the PDGA and they worked together to actually, which is required to change the hole in the middle of an event. And they added a Mando that kind of forced him to go up the gut, so to speak. Yeah. Of which he signed the Mando, which I thought was kind of funny and cool. Yeah. And and so there's a couple of big takeaways to that for me. First and foremost, I, I don't think, I don't know how I could say it politely. Uh, just, just like kind of get a clue before you go all in on being an idiot online. Mm, no, uh, I, I don't think so. I, I know that. I know. I know. Nope. I'm talking about the internet, but the amount of people that then were barking about changing the course. And yes, it is a rule. You, you typically cannot do that. But the very first post addressing it said that they reached out and they, contacted they went through all the channels and in this unique situation they were granted the permission to change the hole or to add that mando and all i saw for the next two days this is your chance to do the internet voice you can't do it you can't do it no you can't go changing it that's not allowed you're not allowed to change it i don't believe they did that it was clear it was clear from the very first effing post that they got a waiver they were allowed to do it but Idiots on the internet just had to run with how they thought they knew so much more. Oh, safety stop. concern. That's what it comes like, down to—a safety concern. Because I, the, I get all. Of, I get all. Like, yeah, and yeah, just the we, fact that before, all the proper procedures and channels th- those were all taken and addressed. But everybody on the internet now knows more about what was happening at the tournament than I don't know the staff, the PDGA, and the Disc Golf Pro Tour apparently because they read a thing from a guy who was another guy that thought he knew. Just I'm, I'm, stop. I'm with you, T. Stop. I'm with you. It's so anyway. Yeah. Now my second takeaway to this though, I had mixed feelings. I understand that it was a unique scenario and that the Mando was added. I'm I'm not second guessing any of that safety concerns, so on and so forth. Obviously it wasn't ideal that it was done after one round. I get all of that. I understand all of that, but it was done and it was done in all the proper channels. I worry that the, again, if you don't fully know the story and you just see Gannon signing the, the Mando sign, I worry that 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 snap again judgment and view of that gives the wrong impression of vandalism and I know destruction. it was, was all in it was thing. all in jest and it was all funny and it was it was all again part of the bigger story a, 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 a quick glimpse though at what was going on not knowing the story it 
very much could give the impression, again, to somebody not uh, up to speed, that why, why is he writing on a course sign? Because, of course, you would not You would hope uh, that otherwise. If you, that if you yeah. saw that, you, you, would, you would do a little bit of research. Anybody. Anyone that's slightly in the know. If you, if you see someone that you recognize, Gannon, one of the, if not top three biggest names in our sport right now, if you recognize him, you're probably following the tour of some sort. You know that he wouldn't vandalize a course. And so getting that, you would look at it and you'd think, well, why is he doing that? And you'd dig into it. I, I don't worry about that as much. It did cross my mind. I, I will be honest. Mm-hmm. Maybe maybe you and I have a coming from similar backgrounds and perspectives. Maybe that's why we both thought of it. But I I, I don't worry so much about it. I will say that. Yeah, and, and Mike saying on the board, the autograph was completely explained on the live broadcast. I get that, and and I'm glad. I, I'm, I'm all good with it. I just, I know that mm-hmm. if you're not watching the live broadcast, you're not listening to it, and like you, you said, just Johnny, if you're not, media. If, and... yeah, if all of a sudden you just see Gannon signing a Mando sign, you you may not immediately, you know, have that context, and therefore so it could give a wrong impression um, as well. But because we all know, we're all in the same camp. None of us want to see disc chargers. None of us want to see people <laughs> signing baskets when they get an ace. None of us, like none of us, want that. And so that yeah. I could understand how someone would view that. But let's go back. Let's talk more about the results a little bit. Uh, we're, we'll move on from third place, which was Jake Hebenheimer. Fourth place, a name that we've been hearing a lot more of, which is Sullivan Tipton. Sullivan has kind of started to spring up over the last month or so. You know, really, you, you saw him shoot really well at the uh, country club at DDO. Mm-hmm. Because I made the joke saying, for some reason, his name, Sullivan Tipton, there's no more appropriate name to be winning at a country club. It sounds like a uh, an 80s villain <laughs> that's going to beat up the nerd, you know? It's, uh, he's he's going to walk on the course with a sweater tied around his shoulders. But Sullivan uh, shooting 23, taking fourth place. Fifth place, Kevin Kiefer. Tie for six between uh, Emerson Keith and Bobby Burridge. Uh, three-way tie for eighth between Matt Oram, Nick Newton, and Evan Scott. We A very... This event especially for MPO, but I think even for FPO, a very good event for younger players, not quite as established on tour because most of the established players were able to take the week off. So it's a, it was a good chance to get your name out there in that uh, it's only a few points, but get a few points in the silver series, but really silver event, sorry, not series, silver event. And, uh, and just kind of maybe make a slight name for yourself. Yeah, it was. Um, of course, I feel. I feel like most of our silver events that way. Uh, on the beginning half of the year, it's a little bit tougher, considering uh, there might be some of our, uh, you know, our I don't know, I don't know super pros or our, our, our higher finishers or our regulars, household names. But yeah, as the year wears on, like you said, it, it provides those opportunities, camera time, uh, playing in front of the crowds, the galleries, all that stuff. Uh, yeah, perfect. Perfect uh, opportunity, and hopefully uh, those guys are finding ways to take advantage of it. And then over on the FPO side, first-time winner? Allie Smith, uh, one, one of Heck our yeah. personal favorites. We had her on the show last, uh, I believe it was last year, with Tyler Brickley when she signed with DGA. Um, she, she made a, a guest appearance, I believe, on our show. So go check that out if you want a little interview with Allie. She was the only competitor to shoot under par in that division. She was at mm-hmm. one under total. She shot a one over that final round, but uh, she had a two-stroke 
victory over Holland Handley. Holland had a chance on the final hole to make it a little bit interesting. If she would have hit the putt, it would have forced Allie to make the putt, which she did anyway. She was only, uh, it looked like about 15 out um, and then had to make a, a slight comeback. But you know what? You put that pressure on that 15 footer, maybe looks more like 20 to 25 feet. We we just saw, uh, or if you pay attention to any social media, you just saw, I think it was Jakob. Jakob Samarad. A four putt on, an, on a hole, just not be able to draw metal back and forth. So anything can happen with our, with our, our pros. But anyway, Holland, not able to pull out a victory in uh, Casey Wide Open. Allie Smith getting this one. Tied with Holland Hanley was Hannah Wynn. So that was pretty awesome. Hannah kind of making, she made a name for herself a little bit earlier this season at, uh, which event was it, Terry? Was it? the In North Cove. North Cove, thank where you. I believe she finished third there as well. Yes, third there as well. Uh, fourth place, Lisa Fakus. Fifth place, Casey Pennington. Tie for sixth place between Candice Burge, your uh, former rookie or former AM world champion. Mm-hmm. And tied for sixth was Vanessa Van Dyken. Eighth place was Shelby Dutton. And a tie for ninth place between Emily Beach and Deanne Carey. Um, but ultimately, the, re- the real story was Allie Smith. She really showed everybody that she has, you know, uh, some phenomenal potential out there. And, and if uh, you look at it's funny because if you look at Allie Smith's scorecard, there's, she had two really bad holes where it just not usually very Allie Smith. Like I will say she's relatively steady competitor. She doesn't get herself into a lot of trouble, but she's also not going to wow you with compared to some of the other in the top of the FPO. She's just a very good player. And she had two really bad holes on hole three and hole six, and she still ended up pulling out the victory. So congratulations to Allie. And honestly, as I said on social media as well, team DGA, all they had to do was dump Tyler Brickley and yep. Check. And D- <laughs> yep. And DGA starting to dominate Katrina Allen, Allie Smith. Mm-hmm. We now know what the anchor was. Yeah, that makes sense. Holding I mean, what does that team, guy even know? Hold, holding the whole team down. Um, if, if you, if you want a little, yes. uh, if you Bobby are good, good friends of ours, Bobby Brown just did an interview with, uh, Tyler Brickley. I think they released yesterday or today. I listened to it. It's good. Mm. Go and listen to it. Tyler's an amazing person and we wish him nothing but the best for his future endeavors. And hopefully he'll continue to do some disc golf stuff, but, uh, I, I'm excited. Fun stuff. Yeah. And it, uh, real quick, I will add on, uh, you know, you said Ali Smith, um, uh, Obviously, the storyline there, Ashy eventually did pull it off. Uh, also, you know, kind of busting out in the first round. I believe she had the lead after the first round was Casey Pennington. Uh, she ended up sliding back a little bit as the weekend went on. But uh, seeing her come out, uh, not necessarily a name that you're used to seeing up at the top. Uh, she's been out there battling for a few years, been on the tour. Awesome to see her as well. So it's just kind of just like we said on the MPO side, some of these names that you may not see in here every single weekend that aren't quite household names, uh, but Casey Pennington, you know, going out there and having an open, a uh, solid opening round and, you know, getting that again, those opportunities to be playing in front of the cameras and all of that just continues to build on your, on your experience uh, overall. So awesome. All right. That's what we saw overseas. You want to quickly touch on, uh, at least what we saw, what, uh, Shaletvia was that, uh, that, that was, was taking she, place over in Sweden. 
Yeah, yeah, that was last week. Hold on, let me let me quickly pull that up here. Uh, I gotta scroll under the. Uh, yeah, that was uh, that was actually the same weekend uh, as the preserve. Now that yep. I'm I'm getting it all together, and uh, I think we the the long and short of it, right? We saw Macbeth win. Yeah, um, Schleftia yeah, then... was this past weekend, July seventh through ninth, and uh, on the MPO side, yeah, right? Okay. We we did see Paul Macbeth win. He over two strokes over Laurie Lettinen. Um, mm-hmm. And then third place, James Proctor making a huge comeback because he was sitting kind of in the, I don't say the middle of the field, but like eighth, ninth, 10th place. And he shoots an 11 under par to shoot up uh, nine. I'm sorry. He was in 12th place, shot up nine places up to third to get himself on that podium. Uh, in fourth place was Miro Ranninen. Mm, sorry, mm-hmm. Miro. And fifth place was Scott Stokely. Scott shot 10 under. So, uh, Mr. Macbeth didn't do anything special that final round. Only shot only, and we throw that in quotes. Shot a five under when we saw, we yeah, saw a couple when, other better scores <laughs> at eleven, five, eight, seven. So there was more to be had, but he didn't have to. He knew with the last couple holes that he more or less had it wrapped up. Um, Laurie could have made a, a run at it, but didn't. So didn't force, uh, did not force Paul. And then moving over to FPO. On a streak, I believe she won the last yeah. three events. Hundred is... last three hundred events. No. Uh, I feel like Sil- every time we're mentioning a winner over there, it's her. <laughs> it's her. Yeah, Silva Sarinen wins mm-hmm. this one over Rachel Turton. So Silva having a really good month in general, and Rachel Turton, who is not playing the PCS event, which I believe she won last year. Did she not? Mm, no, her? she she battled. She battled she hard with Anakin. Yeah, Anakin won. You're right. I'm sorry. Rachel took yep. second. But Rachel is playing yep. in a different event this weekend and not playing in PCS, I noticed, because I was looking at the entry yep. entries. Uh, in third place, Ella Hansen at three over par, so three uh, three strokes off of the lead. And fourth place, Yeni Karpanen at plus five. And in fifth place, I should have stopped at four, uh, Hanel <laughs> Mata. That's two A's with two umlauts over it. And that last A has another one. one to... I know. <laughs> I'm sorry, Hanel. You cannot blame me for that one. That's too many dots in a name, regardless of who you are. <laughs> but congratulations uh, on your fifth place finish. Yeah. Already, already love the uh, attempt there. Uh, appreciate it, Artie. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah, that's what we saw. Um, and then the, the, the only thing I'll quickly touch on uh, in, in seeing that from Yakub, which we mentioned a moment ago. I've played that hole. That's a it's a really fun hole to play. It's an island. They played as an island hole. Uh, I, I believe that's at least how we did it when I was there. The fact that he, the fact that he had the score he did, but hit the island. I, I, if you've ever played there, that's the part that would absolutely blow your mind. Obviously, the putting woes all sucked and everything, but. You, you, seeing that score on the scorecard, you may not think twice about that, knowing how that hole can play. But he hit the island, and then all of the mistakes were then made on the putting green. It just It's kind of a side note, and it really doesn't matter in the big picture. I think one of the biggest takeaways were the fact that a lot of people said, this is last year's pro world's putting champion. Mm-hmm. And to, to see, and I, as far as we've ever seen on film, this is the only time we've ever seen this happen. Hopefully it's literally was, a one and done. Honestly, but, though, that was that was what I heard of him from last year when he was making that run with Barsby. Um, 
right? That was him and Barsby. I don't, I don't yeah, he was, but I don't remember any No, any, no, 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 no. You know, he didn't have any at Barsby, but I'm saying okay. that was that was the word on him was his putting was really streaky. The way he putt oh. that if he missed, he blew past baskets and he would just go back and forth that that was the knock on him when he was younger. And so to see this now kind of poke its head out again because we haven't seen it. I had heard yeah. that from him. Sure. Um, but I did not see it. All we saw last year when he was going up against Barsby were baskets that were spitting everybody back out. Um, yeah. But in, in, in general, that was that was always kind of his his thing. And that that's why I was a little surprised that when he when he won the putting championship, I was like, wow, this guy clearly has has it figured out now. And it just sometimes those old habits or things just get in your head because those were not tough putts. That was yeah. just no. That was just yeah. like total yips for a hole. So, yeah, let's let's of course just hope that that does not become <laughs> you know uh, any kind of uh, habit or or you know ever uh, honestly just rears its its head again. That was that was brutal to watch. It was you know and and none of us need to. Uh, belittle or berate him in any way for that. He he knows uh, as skillful of a player as he is, uh, and the successes that he's had, uh, he's well aware. Um, I don't think anyone else needs to remind him. So, no. Hopefully that's uh, that's it on that end. So, all right. Um, anything else? Uh, I think we've covered. I, I know we we got a little caught up. Sorry to some of you that uh, may have already you know run down all of those. Uh, those recaps and reviews in the last few weeks, but I think that's the, the majority of what we've seen. Anything beyond that, uh, I think it's a little bit sideways and uh, stretches things out. So, you want to talk? Uh, you want to talk pro worlds, pro masters worlds, pro masters worlds. Let's yeah. let's talk. Let's talk pro worlds real quick for a moment. Big announcement a couple of days ago, yeah. Johnny. Do you have it in front of you? Um, I can pull or it not? up, but the the gist of it is that, and this is something that behind the scenes we've been hearing about quite a bit. L.L. Bean has graciously thrown in a whole bunch of cash to mm. the Pro Worlds. And as of right now, we have a minimum Pro Worlds purse of $275,000, which I think last year's was 200000 is what I thought mm. I saw someone say. So we're we're seeing a huge increase in in that and i'm going to pull up uh dgpt.com which is where one of which is where you can find the announcement yeah i've Uh, got i've got it up in front of us right now uh yeah we're just uh i mean there's there's an entire press release so on and so forth uh uh, the uh, Chuck Gannon, director of brand and performance media at L.L. Bean, had said there's so much to love about disc golf. Ask any player and you'll likely hear them spending time outside with friends and family uh, or you, someone you just meet at the first tee. It's in their core, uh, the love for the sport, and then uh, talks about the relationship. And uh, as you just said, we'll have over 300 competitors, comprised of uh, players from at least 12 countries. And then uh, Jeff Spring, tournament director, said that this is a big moment for the sport. Uh, L.L. Bean is a legendary outdoors company and a fantastic fit as a partner and supporter of disc golf. I'm proud of the work we've done at Smuggler's Notch and in the professional disc golf community to reach this moment. The support that L.L. Bean's partnership provides will help us, uh, will help this year's world championships reach new heights. And 
Yeah, I mean, an L.L. Bean, uh, in case you forgot, L.L. Bean was, in fact, a sponsor and has sponsored other things within disc golf and then also was a, a significant sponsor a few years ago at the Disc Golf Pro Tour Championship uh, as well. And maybe that's even listed uh, as, as you continue to read on. But, um, yeah, so it's pretty cool. Obviously, this is still a PDGA major. This is not a Disc Golf Pro Tour event. However, Disc Golf Network will have the uh, media rights and so on and so forth, as we've been seeing for all of our majors. Uh, but yeah, the PDGA is, is now officially the 2023 PDGA Professional Disc Golf World Championships presented by LL Bean. So yeah, I, it, I, I don't know if I don't know how you wouldn't be excited about that. I'm sure. Somebody out there on the internet has somebody a problem hates, with it. Somebody hates LLB or something, or I, I, I don't know I'm sure. I, I'm more interested, and I'd love to talk to Sean Jack at some point, who I know helps uh, work with these sponsors. On, as you said, LLB has sponsored before, but they sponsored the Tour Championship. So, where does that when when the talks happen between? Hey, would you like to sponsor another big event? How do you decide if you're the pro tour, if you're Sean Jack who works for the pro tour between yeah. worlds and the tour finale? And it's nothing. And I, I haven't talked to him. So I'd love to know if it, is it an LLB thing saying, no, we want to go with the world championship. That sounds better to us versus the pro tour championship or. And I truly don't know. Are we going to hear more about LLB for the pro tour championship? If this goes well, which is only a few weeks after it's what six yeah. weeks after, yeah, four or five, six weeks after after Worlds. Will we hear more about that? So I'm I'm really interested to maybe tug on uh, Sean Jack's ear and get get a little insight into how they decided where and how much money is going to go into this event versus the Pro Tour Championship. I'm I'm excited that it's Worlds. I'm ex- I'm excited for anyone. I mean, they could have told us that it was the Pro Tour Championship, and I thought I would have been oh that's awesome, you know. Or maybe they already have someone lined up for the Pro Tour Championship, and we don't know yet. It's uh, it's definitely cool, regardless of what anyone thinks. $275,000 minimum purse, because there still could be more money put into this event. I guarantee you, if someone comes out and offers $25,000, nobody's saying no to that. So we, we're gonna see, we're going to see more money go into this purse, more than likely, at some point. Yeah, I... Uh... Again, I get it. You LL Bean might not be your favorite company. That's okay. It's because guess what? We'll never secure every player's favorite company, no matter what the product, no matter what the uh, the channel or the merchandise or the item or the the avenue or the service is. There's there's no one service that will literally please every single one of our our PDGA members or of our subscribers. Uh, so awesome. I mean, I, I, I get it. You may have a, a, a more favorite outdoor brand and or company and good for you. I'm, that's fine. But it, pretty cool to see as I think the phrase that Sean uh, Jack loves to use is non-endemic. You know, somebody outside of disc golf that is supporting our sport because we've been barking about it for at least the 30 year, years Johnny and I have been around and probably a few years before that as well, <laughs> that outside sponsorship we right now all the manufacturers all the companies within disc golf generally bear the brunt of those expenses and of those sponsorships so you're bringing in some money that's from outside of disc golf uh 
it's awesome. And hopefully that sparks other other situations, other sponsorships, other opportunities uh, that we can go from. So, yeah, um, I, I did find it funny that immediately people were like, well, that's still not enough money. I, I don't know when it will be because let's let's just play pretend if five million was announced. The first that you we both know. Well, why wasn't it six or why wasn't it just ten? Ten sounds better. It's all part of the process. All right. So it really is. And this weekend I watched uh a little bit of the PGA, the women's major that was at Pebble Beach. I caught sure. the last like four or five holes. And they were saying how oh, this even for uh, them, like this was the I was gonna biggest... watch post production. Don't spoil it. Don't spoil it. I won't tell you who won because I honestly okay. don't remember. Cortez. Cortez won. Spoiled it. Ah, okay, okay. Um, I saw her. Okay. But they were saying that this is the uh, this was their largest purse ever at $2 million. Or not, I'm sorry, not largest purse. Largest event winner got $2 million. Oh, okay. The winner. And, and whereas if we're seeing some of the men pull in six, seven, eight, nine million for some of these majors, this was the women's largest open winning amount at $2 million. Okay. So it's kind of crazy. And so that's not that far of a stone's throw away from disc golf, to be honest. I I think we're starting to see sponsors come into our sport and, and they have a pretty big head start on us. So I'm excited. Uh, I'm excited. I I guess this begs the, I guess the this begs the question, you know, seeing 35,000 last year handed to Ricky Wysocki, 35,000 handed to Kristen Tatar, Disc Golf Pro Tour Championships, uh, championship, all by Barbasol, put it on your face, free plug for your Barbasol. Uh, how long, how many more years, and, and this might be worth time stamping permanently, how many more years? In what year will we see the first hundred thousand dollar check handed to a disc golfer for a single event? What what year is that? We're in we are middle of twenty twenty three. We're currently in twenty twenty three. I would say twenty thirty. Oh, okay. I so, I think it'll be before that. I don't know. I think I think what we'll see is we saw thirty five thousand. I think we're going to see in the next two to three years fifty thousand dollars, and I bet you it mm-hmm. hits fifty and kind of plateaus. Like fifty is a great number, as we all know. Mm-hmm. I think it stays there for a few years, then maybe it gets to seventy five for a few years. That's why I think, and then we then we jump up to hundred thousand. It's a unless you're and, and granted the pro tour was very very top heavy. At a few at, events, sure. Yeah. At, at the championship, at the championship, it is. Yes. Yeah. And I think you're. I mean, going you're to going see for that, that, that wow factor, right? Championship. Twenty thirty would be the soonest I think I, I that we would see it. I don't know. There's a couple of people on the board suggesting Dirk, Mike Durko out there uh, saying twenty twenty seven. That's right where I put the sweet spot. I, I think I think twenty twenty seven. Well, Terry, I, I would not be surprised if we see it by then. You know what I like to do. Yeah. Put it on. Oh, put it on the calendar. Put it on the calendar. Uh, <laughs> so I'm. I'm. I'm gonna later on today. I'll, I'll. I'll see if I can put it on the calendar as far as 2020. The middle of like 2027. 
around this yeah, time. Put it, well, put it for July. Yeah, July 11th on and, 2027, and then July 11th, 2030. Yeah. Um, and we'll see. And, what, and what, put those two on and see if we've had seen a $100,000 individual purse paycheck to one person for one event, not a series or, or you know, a collection of events. Yeah, a $100,000 check issued. I, I feel like we need to have a slight um, stipulation that it has to be like a, uh, winnings w- now I'm down to like winnings, not a throw off or a contest yeah not a throw off not a contest, but even just like not not an all i feel like there, you could do that if if we got like hey everybody's playing but we're paying one person like so okay so like a tour, standard payout scale well, but, but even the pro tour the, the pro championship's tour not a standard, standard pro scale, payout but, scale either though but, it, but it's at least a payout where they pay out a, a relatively deep for the field. Yeah. So I just don't want to see, I don't want to lose this bet on a technicality where it's like, Oh look, Steve Dodge ran an event where the winner got a hundred thousand dollars. Yeah. They invited four people. Yeah. yeah. Like, I, I well, or, or as, uh, yeah, coming in off the board, uh, big money skins was 50 grand. Mm-hmm. D- does the, does the big money skins with what was there? 32 ish people there Yeah, initially, I mean, you know, to start the weekend. Does big money skins count? Because there was still payout after that. Yeah, it was fifty grand for the winner. Would you? Would do you count that? I guess that's that's that is a great example. Would yes. assuming there's at least like thirty two in the field at the beginning of the weekend, least, and there's other people that are winning some money. It does big money skins. It, it, it's the similar iteration. Is, is sanctioned technically, right? Um. Yeah. Probably. Yeah. Yeah. It has to be. Yeah. I want to say sanctioned event. Sanctioned. Okay. Match play championship. Yeah. You know, Owen Scoggins won ten grand. That's that's I, I will just I will put the I will put the stipulation that counts, a that's sanctioned. sanctioned event. I don't care what kind of sanctioned event as long as it's sanctioned. Okay. Whiff diff sanctioned or no. <laughs> <laughs> uh, All right. All right. PDGA sanctioned, like you could find it on the PDGA website at some point because it was sanctioned gotcha okay okay all right all right well anyway 2027 i'm I'm probably just away from my microphone robert sorry 2027 and 2030 we'll check back uh no hardcore bets here but we'll check back in those two years and see if it's happened well i guess we'll know in 2027 if it already did happen we will know all right uh what if it was usd yeah usdgc counts it's sanctioned. It's an X tier with some unique rules and invite only. But yes, it is. That definitely qualifies. Definitely. Uh, I would say that. All right. Um, so, yeah, LLB, and we got all that covered. Pro Worlds, exciting. Obviously, Smuggler's Notch. Uh, you know, it's five years since we've been there. All that stuff. There's nothing really new outside of that huge announcement, which is huge. Um, but yeah, we'll worry about that. Let's, let's get into Pro. Pro and Am Masters Worlds that literally began today. Let's, well, technically, doubles took place Saturday. Field events were Sunday, but singles, regular stroke play began today. Let's limit it to Pro. We'll worry about we'll worry about Am Masters after the event when they win. I'd rather just talk about All Pro right. tonight. Uh, All a, right, you Pro elitist. I'm able. an elitist. I know. Uh, so far, they really only have one round in right now, and Correct. we have a three-way tie for first in MP40, which is, I would, I would say, kind of the, 
you know, the MP and FP40 are the quote unquote premier divisions at this at this event. Uh, you will got have Steve... post production coverage. Yep, Steve Rico coming in with a ten under, Michael Johansson coming in with a ten under, and Kale Lavisca coming in with a ten under. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost fifty pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. That's a three-way tie if I count correctly. Uno, dos, tres. Yeah. Yeah. You are really quick. I'm so tonight. good. I'm so good. Nailed it. Uh, and then fourth place, there, there's a, there is a monster tie for fourth place. And I'll go through the fourth places and that's it. Dave Felberg, Joe Revere, Jeff Wilson, Brian Shintaku, Travis Head, Chris Villa, and Joshua Johnson, all at nine under. And then there's another small bump at eight that we're not going to talk about because until they get better, we don't talk about them. Wow, yeah, they're not in the top 10. Ouch. Uh, even if I'm staying with one of those guys. Wow. Burn. Sorry. Okay. <laughs> Sorry, Chris Oric. Uh, Yeah, and Joshua Johnson, maybe. Uh, of all those players you just mentioned, he's in that tie. He's uh, out of Arizona, super good player. I met him back at the Las Vegas Challenge. I think we both remembered. And look at how he finished if you scroll down. First of all, very few bogeys. I'll put it this way. Felberg had two bogeys. He, those were the only two bogeys out of every person you just listed, except for Joshua Johnson. He finished with a double bogey, and that's what has him at nine under. He, I know, woulda, coulda, shoulda. But there was, so that means there were only three over par holes out of the top. Oh, my gosh. I'm going to keep scrolling. Three over par holes out of like the top 13 guys. Felberg had two of them. And then Joshua had the double bogey to close out. So he was just whole 18 away, so to speak, from being maybe an outright leader at 11 under Hedy Pard. Either way, he's still very much in the mix. Uh, I think this also tells us very, very, very few bogeys. Uh, I don't want to say none, but damn near close to no bogeys in like the top 15 or 20 guys. Lots of birdie opportunities and not so much in terms of the bogeys. This course is more of a, uh, we'll say a slight throwback to. Yeah. 8,800 feet is, is not what we see on the tour these days. That would probably be the shortest if not the, it would probably be close to, if not the absolute shortest course on the Disc Golf Pro Tour, if if they were playing in the Disc Golf Pro Tour. 
So a lot of these guys already have, uh, I mean, they all have pro tour experience. Felberg is the one with the yeah. least pro tour experience. And then maybe Joe Revere, but these guys all mostly have pro tour experience. So they're used to these long courses. I'm really excited to see what's going to happen in other courses. Cause what other courses are they playing? Terry, are they playing the snowball? No, Snowball's not even in in the mix at all in any capacity this week. Uh, yeah, I know, I know. Uh, things change in twenty years. Weird. Uh, I hear you. So mountain, Snowball's not like, in the mix. Erode away or what? <laughs> yeah, it's it's gone. Uh, that damn climate change. Uh, well, it's the flat earthers. They were like, "Hey, this peak feels too high. We need to flatten things mm-hmm. out." I, I think that's part of their mo. Um, no, Snowball's not in the mix, and uh, they are playing. Um, Thorpe. Thorpe. Let me let me double check that. Which is, of course, you and I played a, a different layout uh, at the time, but they will be playing uh, Thorpe tomorrow. Okay. Other courses that are in the mix for other divisions, just to throw them out there. NAU again, different layout than you and what you and I saw. McPherson, which is not uh, a course you or I played, and then Fort Tuthill, which is also a course that we did not play. Uh, but the FPOs played there, and the FPOs will also be playing over at the Little America course, uh, the shorter Little America course, known as the Crew course. Uh, and we'll talk about that more in a minute. But so yeah, so they're only of, playing two courses. Speaking of Fort Tuthill, only two courses is a little weak, in my opinion, too. Make them play four, um, like we had to. Own mm. <laughs> uh, Scoggins continues her terror. Not just a tear, but a terror, all of them, uh, on the FB40 division. She shot 12 under par with a bogey. <laughs> the bogey, she took a bogey on a 212-foot hole. I, I was just looking. I think that's, yeah, that's the shortest hole on the course. Yes, it's the shortest hole on the course. And she took a bogey on it. But the, the fair part is th- there weren't a ton of birdies. It looks like maybe a, maybe a quarter of the field birdied it. Uh, sure. About half took a par and maybe another quarter took a bogey. I'm just quickly scrolling. Uh, second place is Stephanie Vincent at nine under third place. Holly Finley at eight under fourth place, Sandy Hendel at seven under, and then Jen Allen at six under and Jen Allen to get to six under had to shoot six under on the back nine to get there. Uh, her last, she actually got six of the last seven. If I count correctly to get to six under par. So her, the beginning of her round did probably not feel very good when Owen Scoggins started out birdie, birdie, birdie on one, two, and three. And if you had to pick two favorites out here, it's own and Jen Allen. Those are the two Uh, that, that most, that almost everyone is looking at as the favorites to win. Yeah. And, and I mean, if, especially if you want to oversimplify it by just even just straight up looking at your ratings, uh, for the two of them, they are, uh, the two highest rated women. It goes own at 982, uh, Jen Allen at 959, and then Holly Finley at 943, and then Stephanie Vincent at 932. So the fact, and then Sandy Hendel's at 918. So the top five women in the tournament are after round one are in the top five. They're not in that exact order, but they're in the top five. So right out of the gate, I don't want to say things are playing out as you'd expect. That's not what I would, I wouldn't go quite that far, but yes, the top five ratings have shot the top five best scores in round number one. So there you have it. Maybe, maybe no 
massive surprise there is is what you could say. Uh, just the ordering and the fact that you've seen Owen Scoggins. Owen's round, by the way, came in unofficially here. I'm seeing it now at 1,008. I don't care who you are. That's just some that's just some damn good golf. That is some 13 birdies. Damn good golf. So tomorrow, uh, they will be I, I'm currently in a in a conference room in Little America. You're not in and, a pyramid? Uh, no, I am you're, not. Even you're though not I know in hell? Me, and, <laughs> me and Nicolas Cage uh could be hanging out here and there's a map somewhere. Um I'm out at Little America. Again, there's two courses here this year. They're having what they're calling the long course and then what they're calling the crew course. So the MP40s and other division, some other divisions will be playing the longer course, which is what they played today. And then the the FP40 division and a, a number of other divisions will play the crew course, uh, which is what they're going to go out and play tomorrow. They played Tuthill today. They're playing the, uh, the the shorter crew course tomorrow. Totally separate. Eight, and it's not, it's not, it's, excuse me, as I say it six times, it's not a shorter and a longer course with different tees and different pins. They are two entirely separate courses. So 36 unique holes. Just, Fantastic. Uh, to any confusion out there that might be there, uh, there are 36 separate holes. And if you paid attention earlier today, of course, on the PDGA preview show that I was part of, what's really cool is when Johnny and I were here in, in 03 and then the Am Worlds was here in 05, the courses, any courses that were here on the property were temporary uh, at Little Little America. They have, I believe, uh, someone told me 500 acres when it was all said and done. They were temporary courses, and now they've actually, they're leaving one of these two courses in, so it'll be a full uh, permanent course here at Little America, which is obviously awesome to hear. Another course getting added to the area um, as, an, as a uh you know, as a viable opportunity to go play more golf. So that's something that's cool as a, re- a residual outcome of the world's being held here. So anyway, women, crew course tomorrow, relative, I don't want to say relatively short, but it's, it's not long. Um, okay. Do I see the numbers on it? Let me uh, see if I can pull it up. I don't uh, shoot. It does not give me no, it do- the it stats doesn't. until it gets played now tomorrow. Correct. Shoot. I'd have oh. to, I could look it up somewhere else, but on the slightly shorter side, Fort Tuthill's on the slightly shorter side, and the and the crew course is on the shorter side. And I say shorter in comparison to what we see in FPO mm-hmm. on the Pro Tour. You're and probably I talking the question I'd, seven to eight thousand feet, maybe maybe eighty five hundred uh, or something like that. Yeah, let, let, I'm going to look it up. So my question to you, while you look it up, though, Johnny, is should should the FP40 course this weekend? Yes course yes. is i know what you're gonna should say should they yes. mirror or be very oh. similar to fpo courses no okay i'm gonna change my answer then no terry they should not be courses need to be aligned properly with the division we've said it about fpo in general fp40 is different because you have players that are anywhere from clearly 39 plus but let's just assume 39 to 49 a 49-year-old player, many of them probably appreciate a slightly shorter course than the FPL players. I, I don't, I believe that they should be within a certain length. We would not want to see them playing a 9,000, a 10,000 foot course like we've seen with some of the FPO field. I believe that we should be seeing that. I also feel that the 
MP40 courses should be shorter than the MPO courses. And I know I said earlier that a lot of these guys have MPO experience. That doesn't mean that they should be playing MPO length courses. I think an appropriate distance is eight to 9,000 feet for an MP40. And maybe for okay. FP40, you're looking at seven to eight, maybe 8,500 on a long one. I, it, it just feels appropriate that, that you scale them down. Just because you have a Carter Aarons in juniors under 15 who can throw 450 to 500 feet doesn't mean you make the course 8,500 feet for juniors. juniors. Yeah, you, you have ah, to. See, you're you, no fun. Yeah, I mean, I'm sure Carter Aarons would love something like that if he were still playing in juniors. But you have to make the course appropriate regardless of what the top of the field is. You have to accommodate it for a majority of the field. And that's my opinion. Mm-hmm. I'm sure Jen Allen would love a longer course. I'm sure she'd love an 85 to 9,500 foot course that would give her an advantage. And, and it, I couldn't even argue if there was one. But sure. I feel like it... it like again, 8,500 feet to me feels like a good top level for an FP 40 course. So let's talk real uh, quick. I said, do you have the, do you have the stats or can I move on? No, to some I'm, other I'm, I, I, I'm just getting frustrated at myself. I'm seeing the course caddy guide, which looks really nice. You can download it. It's all out it, there. It doesn't have and a I'm full. Seeing the, it, I, I'm seeing the individual whole numbers and distances and in meters and feet, but I'm not seeing a total, a total. and it. uh, Quickly add them up. Uh, I'm sure it's probably <laughs> listed somewhere. All right. So let's yeah. talk real quick. Uh, we'll go over so who's leading some of the other divisions. Uh, MP50, you've got Chris Smith winning by a stroke. Uh, other notable names in here is Mike Mosier, uh, Ron Converse, Robert Bainbridge, not to be confused with Robert Burridge, uh, Chris May, mm-hmm. and Brian Schweberger. So those are some names. Schwebby is currently four strokes off the lead. Then you move to FP50, and Juliana Corver is winning this by a stroke over uh, Kim G and other notable names that you may know Nova's in this. And that's really about it. Those are the names you'd probably recognize. Uh, MP 55 Hank Kerwin is currently tied with Derek Johnson. Uh, Really uh, Patrick Brown is in this division as well. So that's a name that many of you might recognize. Uh, He's at one under par FP 55. Karen Sattler is winning this by two strokes. Sheila Kirkham might be the only other name that some of you may recognize. She's currently a couple, uh, like 14 strokes out of first place. MP60, Mitch McClellan is winning. I'm sorry, he's tied with Tim Keith. And uh, the only other notable, well, I'll say the only and other. And Graham Garlick. Uh, yeah. yeah, sorry, Mitch Graham Mack, Garlick. Tim Keith, and Graham Garlick are all tied for the lead. Yes, my bad. I, I, I missed that, uh, the third one. Uh, the other notable name in this would be uh, Jim Oates and Peter Sontag. And maybe Peter Sontag is a notable name for us. I don't know. It's hard. It's hard to tell who who's yeah, notable. Your, your notable names are different than mine, but that's all right. I, I, there are a lot of probably PDGA uh, Hall of Fame members in these in these fields, but I'm talking names that maybe the majority of the country might have heard of. Sure. And and Sontag's a little different. I'm sure no one has heard of him, but probably us because that's just the way it is. Uh, I, 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 I don't stand by that statement, but go on. I'm just saying, I bet you a majority of our uh, uh, chat board has not heard of Peter Sontag, who's okay. very well known in the in in uh, the California area, but just in general. All right, talking uh, FP60, uh, Kathy Hardman is winning this one 
by a stroke over Pamiflage Reinke. Reinke? Mm-hmm. Reinke? I always mix that, mess that one up. Uh, and then you're looking at MP65 currently. Uh, Jay Gobrek is winning this by one stroke over Kenny Lee. Moving to FP65. Sandy Gast is dominating right now by eight strokes over uh, Lori Cloyes Chupa. MP70, yes, MP70. Uh, Randy Beers has a single stroke over Dr. Rick Vokes. Dr. Rick looking to get his 150th world's win <laughs> this year. <laughs> that guy's got a lot. Uh, other notable names, you'll know Mark Horn, Dave Greenwell. Uh, met, there's a lot of, like, when you get into this category of uh, division, most of them are probably Hall of Fame members at this point. Uh, they yeah. probably built the Hall of Fame. Uh, MP80 is, there's a three-person field, Carlos Rigby, Spencer Rigby. They're the only two left because Daniel Pilatus <laughs> looks like he DNF'd. Um, and I, yep. I can't tell if he just never showed or he just quit after hole nine because he was at, like taking fours and then he took seven over on uh, hole nine. <laughs> The quick story to that is it sounds like there was some confusion about start time for the division, and uh, they had missed all, missed the first eight holes, <laughs> and then all three of them, uh, Carlos and Spencer, I believe, are brothers, uh, and they may or may not have also been traveling with Daniel, I'm not sure. Oh, Jesus, yeah, I just noticed them, that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, so all three of them, uh, there was just some miscommunication, all three of them uh, didn't arrive essentially in time until hole nine. They played hole nine. Daniel played hole nine uh, along with Carlos and Spencer. Daniel then withdrew from the division or withdrew from competition. And then it just be, it's now remains as basically Carlos and Spencer. And as you said, Carlos has a, uh, a 14 stroke lead over what I believe is his brother uh, in that MP 80 division, 80 year olds out here in this heat, in any of these courses playing these conditions, God bless them. Like, mm. best of luck to them. Now, those are the guys uh, we should have on the 9,500-foot courses. <laughs> yeah, yes, exactly. Let's make those old men move. But they only have to play so, one round. That's my that's my compromise. You yes. get a 9,500-foot course, you only have to play one round for a championship. Yeah, so, uh, can, uh, yeah, we're excited to see how the rest of the week continues to, uh, to play out for all of them. Um, and that's, yeah, what we're seeing on the MP or MP and FP sides, all the pros, like you said, this time next week, we'll also touch on all the amateurs. Best of luck to all the amateurs. There's just shy of 900 total competitors here this week, which is obviously awesome. It's crazy. It's wild, but you're talking about 900 competitors that are, you know, uh, of, of 40 and over essentially, or, or 39 plus a birthday later this year um, that are here competing. So, Best of luck to everybody. Uh, and obviously, we're at elevation, 7,600 feet. Many of you know what that means if you've done any traveling. Uh, you're talking about how not only the disc fly, but just overall health and safety and those considerations. Uh, you know, Johnny McRae had posted on social media a few days ago that uh, his wife, Jen, had altitude sickness. So Johnny McRae had withdrawn from the event and I don't know if he said he was going all the way back home, but either way, he's withdrawing from the event. And you have to think, McRae clearly one of the favorites to pick up another world title here. And uh, with his wife having the altitude sickness, said that he was uh, was withdrawing and is not here. So 
obviously very serious, obviously everyone taking it very serious. And uh, in addition to all that, yes, it's Arizona. So it's obvious that it's going to be warm here, but most people ourselves included, Johnny, most people more often than not, you experience considerably less heat here than you do in Phoenix. Right now it's probably 115 degrees in Phoenix. I know it was a hundred degrees when I came in at 10 o'clock on Saturday night, they're experiencing 110, 113, 118, whatever. You travel north, you're like, oh, yeah, I'm going to Flagstaff. Totally different weather. This week, it decides that it's still going to be hotter than average for Flagstaff weather. And so that's why we're seeing uh, temps that are pushing in the 90s. And uh, it's, I think they're even talking about mid-90s, possibly. So, yes, it's Arizona, and yes, you expect heat, but you don't expect it that hot in Flagstaff. So we're kind of getting a double whammy. Um, yeah. And there's nothing you can do about it, but I've had more water in the last four days than I bet you I've had in the last like two weeks combined. And I'm okay with that. I continue, I continue to pound as much water as possible. It's you, you got, you got to be safe. I always think I don't want to be that idiot that knew all of the warnings and heard all of the warnings and somehow uh, ignored them and then fell to it. And I'm not saying everyone's an idiot that does have a sh- struggle with it. Um, but I'm, I'm taking every precaution and then some to, uh, yeah, to stay my, keep myself hydrated. I'd go with Red Bulls instead, but that's just me. <laughs> yeah, I know. <laughs> uh, yeah. Like I said, I have had a record amount of water in these last few days and I could, as everyone knows, some know, I could take or drink um, alcoholic beverages, but I've kept those to almost zero as well. I'm just not even going to, not even messing with it. Probably a great idea. All right. So that's what we're seeing for uh, here at the Worlds. I wanted to quickly touch on, and I I'm, I'm apologize if I was, I'm going to search. Um, last night, uh, the opening ceremonies, Johnny, well, I look for something. You tell me about the opening ceremonies for the worlds you've attended, which is how many for oh, you? Was it, have you been to I, about 10, 12, even, uh, 12, 13, something like that. Yeah. A couple am, a okay. couple pro. Well, yep. I was say, I think my first one was 98. 98. Yeah. You didn't go to Michigan in 97. No, I did go to Michigan in 97. I didn't play though. That's right. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So 97. Yeah. 98, so, 99, 2000, yep. 2000. Uh, one, 2002, 2003, 2004. You didn't go to 2005 in, in Pennsylvania. Yes, I did. You went? Wellington? Yeah. Did you? Yes. Oh, I didn't remember you. Yeah, I was there. Were you with me? I was. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Okay. Uh, 06, we were in Augusta together. Yep. 07 was in Wisconsin. You didn't go to Wisconsin's. You're right. I did not go to Highbridge in Wisconsin. I Because <laughs> we, we ran things. the Am Worlds the week before, and then the very next week was Pro Worlds. Yep. So I had to make and a so choice between helping that. run Am Worlds. So I still went to a Worlds. It was just Am Worlds. You did. You, know. you did. Yep. Uh, 08 was in Michigan, which you were at combined. Yes. 09 was Kansas City, which that one you didn't go to. I don't believe I went to 09 Kansas City. You did not, because that was me and Whole Five Guy and Katie Staus. No. Um, uh, no, you're right. I did not go to No, that you one. didn't go. No. So anyway. Anyway, to... so you've been to plenty. You've been yeah, to plenty. Right. So not opening... quite as many as me, but quite a few. No, you've, you've gone to a lot. Uh, opening ceremonies usually you know, start out with... 
probably like a, a Pledge of Allegiance and a song, God Bless America, or something along those lines. Then what they usually have is a procession with uh, all the country's flags that are represented. Everyone gets to pick, you know, they pick, you pick a representative, they get to carry the flag, and they, they usually come in. Everyone comes up, nice big applause. Then at that point, they'll go over any oddities on the course any strange, any, anything maybe out of the ordinary and uh, talk about kind of caddy books and sponsors usually have, uh, you know, a chat. A lot of times what they'll do is they'll bring in someone from the city who helped get the am or pro or master's worlds in. And they'll talk about the type of impact it's going to be doing for their city and how they're so ecstatic to have you there. Uh, maybe a sponsor, uh, uh, an outside sponsor will show up and kind of have a little chat. And at that point, then it's, you know, it's, that, that's, that's kind of the extent of a, a players meeting at a world's it, it's, it's usually a good time. You get to sit and chat with people that you don't, haven't seen for a year, but yeah. Did I, did I leave anything major out there, Terry? Uh, no, no. I mean, for the, for the most part, that's kind of how it went down. Um, you know, a few other things that happened was that there was the officially the, uh, the, the Hall of Fame class for 2023 was announced, but we didn't necessarily hear uh, the the, uh, the nomination speeches, you know, that accompanied then the accepting speeches. So usually it's the person that nominates them, they read off or present them, and then it's the person that's been inducted has, you know, something prepared. That sounds like that's going to be more of an October thing at the USDGC, which is kind of what we've experienced over the last couple of years. and. Uh, so that took place uh, in a in kind of an abbreviated version. Otherwise, like you said, yes, Rebecca Duffy from the PDGA, she sang the national anthem. Uh, we had what I believe was 16 countries represented uh, where everyone brought in, you know, the flag or there's a representative from each country, which is really cool to see. And uh, just shy of 900 competitors. They went over a few basic rules. Also talked about uh, green uh, sustainability uh, project or affiliation with this weekend's event, uh, which of course is always cool to have more green initiatives to uh, reduce our our waste and everything else. And it was more so even about just the fact that you know we're out in this beautiful landscape and nature and what that really means. You know when we're in some of these areas that aren't typically uh, you know quite as city and as as industrialized as I I feel like some of the other places that we go to. So yeah, it was all really cool, great ceremony. Uh, spoiler alert: Juliana Corver uh, has now is the back to back or at least two time uh, senior player of the year award winner uh, due to all the criteria that was set up for that. So that was uh, listed as well, and she was announced. And I'm I'm a little frustrated. I'm not gonna lie. As much as I love the Disc Golf Hall of Fame here. I'm a little frustrated. I can't find the full listing for everyone. So I'm partially going off of memory. And I apologize. There's one gentleman who I just simply don't know as well as the others. Um, and I'm trying to see if I have a list, of the full list here. And it does. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. So uh, starting off, uh, Bill Burns was, uh, this is the class essentially. Uh, Bill Burns, uh, John Dusler who, oh. as we all know, was, you know, uh, you know, the, the, the starter of, of what became modern day live disc golf mm -hmm. streaming with disc golf planet TV, John Dusler. Is he there? 
Did you get a chance to he see him? He is not. No. Unfortunately, Bill, I believe they said Bill is not here. John Dusler is not here. And Kent, I apologize. This is where I feel terrible. I do not I cannot remember Kent's last name. Uh out of Oklahoma. He's done what massive graphics uh for the PDGA magazine. Uh out of Oklahoma. And I I Kent Johnson. There it is, finally. Ugh. Um so Kent Johnson and then uh Steve Gans. Oh, who you and, and I know very well, well deserved, uh, and have known for many years, and Charlie Mead, uh, okay. who is here from the UK. I happen to have shared <laughs> uh, a house and some time, a lot of time actually, with Charlie Mead. Uh, my first trip ever to Norway in 2013, and he uh, obviously very deserving as well. And so, uh, those are your five inductees into the Disc Golf Hall of Fame, the World Disc Golf Hall of Fame, which is in fact separate. From the PDGA Hall of Fame, there is not a PDGA Hall of Fame. There is the World Disc Golf Hall of Fame, um, which is an entirely separate entity, and you'll hear more about that as as the months go on. But anyway, congratulations. That is your class of 2023, a full ceremony, which will be broadcast live and will be part of the Disc Golf Network and part of the USDGC. I, I want to say they even maybe threw out the date already. I think it's maybe Wednesday, October 4th. I think is when you're going to probably see the full ceremony uh, okay. unfold. So, which is, which congratulations! Yeah. Well, hopefully, those some of those guys will be able to make it there. As they said, truly, you know, the highest honor I feel like you can receive in the sport of disc golf is mm-hmm. to be uh, put into the World Disc Golf Hall of Fame. So, congrats to all of them. Yeah, um, Charlie Mead. Side note, though, <laughs> and I don't mean to laugh, but yesterday. He was practicing. I, I forget the details of the story, but he was practicing, and then he moved his his case with his glasses. He moved it from one spot to another. Somebody else then moved it, and then I think we found out, long story short, today that maybe it got actually moved to the exterior of his car because uh, his glasses weren't found at the parking lot here at the at the hotel, nor were they found at the at the course they were practicing. He said he went back out onto the highway today and found his glasses case, uh, but did not find his glasses. And uh, so he can see things uh, close by, but not necessarily uh, yeah. far away. So Charlie, I feel, you know, I mean, as if worlds, as if the elevation, as if traveling from the UK, all these other things, and then to uh, lose your, probably permanently lose your glasses uh best of luck to you charlie but congrats <laughs> for getting into the into the hall of fame uh yeah never saw I it just, coming <laughs> that's that that is brutal for sure so that that i don't want to say that's everything but that is largely what we're seeing here at the world championships as we said took place today uh the very first round for everybody everyone just plays one round which is a little different from what you and i obviously experienced for so many years uh tonight where there was the innova bank uh there's a banquet that might be presented by innova i, I think you had to pay uh either as a guest I'm sorry, as a non-player, there was a, a price, and then as a player, there was a discounted price. That's taking place still probably as we speak, or maybe it's wrapping up. Tomorrow night, a Fly Mart, which I'm pretty excited about to check out. The Fly Mart, which many of you know what that is. The world's used to be the sole place, really the like the biggest and best Fly Mart of the year that you would experience anywhere. And now you can go to a lot of really big tournaments and find a ton of vending and these incredible fly marts. There's always 
it's just still there's something a little extra special about the world's well i have to imagine that takes place that like the mass to me the master's fly mart may be the most maybe the coolest one based on the people that are there the discs that they have um if you've got guys that are playing that are maybe also selling because you go to like a world's fly mart right now and it's probably geared towards your uh, it, it's not geared towards the player. It's probably now geared more towards your spectator. So you're you're going to see probably almost all new plastic. You're going to have your people that have probably your the bin of old discs that you and I will kind of finger through and look for. But I, I would imagine that a master's fly mart would be a little bit more up yours and mine alley. Uh, just, yeah, it, it. Um. Yeah, I'll be interested to see what's there. I mean, there. Yeah. Also, just just genuinely think about the user base here mm-hmm. in terms of our uh, I'll use them as an example but someone like Azuka card are they going to have a more prevalent uh representation here or people that make carts maybe homemade or otherwise um just the types of things that are more geared towards some of your players uh that maybe are a little bit older mm-hmm. <laughs> and and some of the products that might be geared toward them. I don't know. Uh, I'll report back. But that's the plan Please for tomorrow me, night. Yes, let me know. Uh, thir- Thursday night, and this this all actually, what a segue. Thursday night, we're going to be having a uh, a presentation by the Flying Disc Museum and what they have going on. And uh, Mike, who's uh, really our point of contact for that, actually just walked in. So we'll be able to break that down. Friday night, I think there's going to be a party downtown. Uh, it's kind of an open-ended night. Uh, Friday night, that's going to be taking place here in Flagstaff. And then Saturday night, of course, awards. Everything mm-hmm. else will be then starting to wrap up. And uh, then the real chaos begins. Flagstaff, so. where we ran from yeah. the cops. No, 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 no. We we did everything legally and on the up and up. Don't We don't have to tell those stories. Okay. All right, Johnny. So uh, as I was just saying, uh, Mike actually just walked in. So I guess the question is, logistically, does it make sense for us probably to end our regular show? Sure. Uh, do our quick segue into the after show. We can get Mike set up. Uh, we can talk about what's going to happen. He can headline our after show. And uh, then we'll be able to uh, con- uh, conclude from there. How's that work? That sounds like a fantastic plan, Terry Miller. All right. Well, thank you to everyone out on the board. I see you guys all participating. Make sure that you stick around. Uh, as I said, we're going to have Mike Hughes from the Flying Disc Museum. He's going to join us in just a few moments. We're going to have our regular giveaway, of course, for all our Patreon subscribers. And we will uh, we'll answer any other questions that come in off the board. Tim says, get Mike a mic. Yes, believe it or not, I'm actually all set up to put a mic on him. So we've got this all under control. You guys are going to be so impressed. All right, that's all I've got. That is the Smashbox TV podcast 462. For Johnny V, I'm Terry Miller, the Disc Golf Guy. We're going to have an after show, a very special one at that tonight. We'll see you then when you step inside the Smashbox. Thank you to our $2 and above patrons. Your name is listed below in the credits. If you are interested in being listed as a producer in the Smashbox TV credits and supporting this and other fine podcasts, please visit patreon.com slash smashboxtv.